Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Remember. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And as always, we've got a lot of ground to cover as we try to help you slow things down just a little bit, divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and help you make the news make sense. On a very busy news day, uh, the uh, Governor Spencer Cox is giving his weekly uh, COVID 19 press briefing right now. We're monitoring that for uh, any news that uh, we will. Share with you also coming up uh, in about 10 minutes, uh, President Joe Biden is scheduled to give his first press conference. We'll be taking that live here as well. Uh, but as all of you know, we've been uh, having a trying to have a different kind of conversation uh, about some of the acts of violence that have taken place recently, both in Georgia and in Colorado and uh, was so pleased uh, yesterday to get a, a quick note from our, our good friend, uh, Joseph Grinney, who uh, to me, is the the ultimate social scientist and and influencer. Uh, he's a New York Times bestselling author. Of course, we love him for his work uh, founding and driving the Other Side Academy, and uh, he had some wonderful things. I thought we gotta we gotta share this. So, Joseph, thanks for jumping on with us this morning. Thank you for making time, Boyd. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, just describe kind of your experience uh, over the weekend as things uh, started to come out. Uh, obviously, we've had a little bit of a lull in a lot of these kinds of mass shootings and violence. And uh, just your response uh, going through the weekend and where you think our focus really needs to be. Yeah, oddly, you say we've had a lull. It was almost, a, in fact, it might be a year to the day since the previous mass public shooting. And uh, for, for me, every single time this happens, boy, there's two waves of agony. The first is looking at the, the victims and seeing how many people have been harmed, murdered in cold blood again uh, when they just wanted to go get a, glass, uh, a gallon of milk at the store. Yeah. But the second wave always comes as I hold my breath and watch how the media is going to handle this. Because we know from social science research, and this is not speculative science, this is settled science, that how the media handles the coverage will determine whether there's a contagion effect or not, whether others who are kind of on the fence, mentally unstable, looking for some sort of recognition, will either seize a hold of this and be inspired to go commit copycat acts or not. Now, the, the media has to do certain kinds of things to turn this into a contagion, and they almost every single time do what they need to do to promote it. So if you'll, you'll just allow me to share the first yeah, example please. of this when it became obvious, 1996 was the first time it became crystal clear that the media plays this kind of role. A 14-year-old boy walked into his Moses Lake Washington Junior High School, murdered his teacher, two classmates, and wounded another. And as he was committing the crime, he quoted a line from a Stephen King novel called Rage. Over the next few days, the media, obsessed about what he had done, detailed what he was wearing, the weapons he, he, he uh, 
he was carrying, how he designed his coat so he could conceal the weapons and so on. Every single detail. And guess what happens next? Well, we all know. Within a week, another shooting occurred that almost completely echoed that pattern. Within another week, another one. Within a couple of days, another one. Within another week, another one. And so the, the, the question here is not just how do we stop the initial attack, but why do we keep doing this in a way or uh, covering this in a way that, that propagates additional acts? Yeah, and that's uh, that's such a, a vital thing, and I, and I love uh, in your piece, and we've got this up on our Facebook page and on uh, Deseret.com. Uh, you actually brought in uh, Stephen King into this in terms of uh, how we respond to this, uh, because often the debate is, oh, this is a free speech issue. Uh, but it's really much more than that, isn't it? It is. And, you know, we're, we're having all of these conversations today about social media platforms and whether the kind of power and reach they have needs to be matched with a feeling of responsibility. Well, they're just part of the media uh, system. And, uh, and the notion that we need to ensure that the public good is being served when we give these licenses and opportunities to, uh, to private organizations to, uh, uh, to influence the world so, so profoundly, um, that, that's really the question that I'm trying to raise. So, so we know that if the media just did two things, that it would blunt the effect, this contagion effect that we see so consistently. One is don't name them. So if the suspect has already been detained, if the suspect has already been uh, been captured or is dead, then we don't need to continue to repeat their name. Uh, you know, one one, one uh, chilling example, when Stoneman Douglas High School, when that shooting happened in 2018, just three years ago, 17 people murdered. The, the young man who committed that act said in a video clip prior to committing the act, when you see me on the news, you'll know who I am. And that's the motivation of most of these people. They're, yeah. they're feeling marginalized, they're feeling disrespected, and they want their moment of fame. And so guess what the media did? They took that video and they played it over and over and over again, exactly what's needed to ignite and incite the same sort of act from somebody that's in the same psychological position that he was in. So number one, don't name them. Don't give them that notoriety. And second, for heaven's sakes, don't detail how they did it. Don't hand out a playbook to those who are looking for strategies to be able to execute the same kind of criminal activity. That's not a big ask. It doesn't mean we don't talk about what happened. It means that we focus on the heroes and the victims, but not the perpetrators. Yeah, that's and that's so vital. Uh, you talk about those two waves of agony uh, that we that we see and that we feel as we go through that. I, I think that just such a simple word of restraint. Restraint always works. And uh, when you talk about these contagions, this way that we perpetuate and have copycat and so on, uh, to me, this is, is something that we all have to take responsibility for. So, yes, our, our legislators, they need to, to talk about things that uh, can shift uh, the conversation in terms of how these things are covered. Uh, but we also need to make sure individually that we are uh, matching our responsibility uh, with some influence as well. Yes. Yeah, and, and the voluntary actions can be taken by any media leaders that want to accept this kind of responsibility. Our neighbors to the north, Canada, have been tremendous examples of this. And they have a norm, uh, not a law, but a norm that most all of the media outlets honor, that when something like this occurs, they do not name them and they do not detail their crimes. They focus on the victims and the heroes. Uh, but that's about it. And so over the last few days, as I've watched this media coverage, here you'll see the person being escorted out with blood running down his leg, looking like a wounded hero to those that are in a dark place in their minds. 
or showing the mugshot of him, which once again, different people are going to experience differently. And the ones we need to be worried about are the ones who are on the margins now contemplating some sort of violent act. Uh, are, are we going to continue to influence them in that direction, or are we going to accept some responsibility to do the contrary? Yeah, so important. Uh, Joseph Graney, this is a fantastic piece. Everybody should go through and read this. Uh, every member of the media should read this. Every member of the public should read this. How we have these conversations matter, and we all bear some responsibility in how we prevent, uh, how we, who we promote, who we mourn uh, in these, and uh, who we really celebrate uh, Joseph Grenny, always appreciate your insight, my friend. Thank you, Boyd. Appreciate your influence. All right. Again, that's uh, Joseph Grenny uh, joining us. It is a uh, really compelling thing as we've been talking about this all week. Uh, I, I love the fact that Joseph pointed out that it is the the norms that can really drive everything. Uh, we, we said on this program yesterday where there is a void in values, laws and legislation will not deter bad behavior, where the values are valued then the laws and the legislation can lend strength and, and security to it all. Uh, but that's a thing that we all have to get around. Individuals, the media, legislators, uh, both locally and nationally, uh, all have to be involved in having a different kind of conversation uh, so that we don't have to keep having this conversation. We, we talked about it yesterday. So often uh, we, we find ourselves using that phrase in the wake uh, of a tragedy in the wake of a shooting. And the problem is, is that we keep getting lost in the prop wash of the politics and the posturing and the opportunistic uh, media opportunities that follow these kinds of tragedies uh, that might drive ratings, that might be good to score political points, but do nothing to move the society forward in a significant way. Uh, so a big thanks to our, our friend Joseph Grinney. Uh, always appreciate his comments. You can read his piece uh, either on our social media or on Deseret.com. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside, grab a quick commercial break. We are standing by the President of the United States. Joseph Biden will give his first press briefing, day 64 of his administration. Stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.